we are back. Episode 45, Dan. Dimitri Kalinin. Some names are ringing the bell. Well, MJ Part 2 or Dwight Drain, if you will. <laughs> Fine special teamer on the late 80s, early 90s Buffalo Bills. Yep, Pedro Martinez, who reminds us that baseball playoffs are starting. We have two great guests to talk about this Bills-Chiefs game coming up on Sunday night. Dan Cho. Charles Goldman from Chiefs Wire and Matt Verderam from Fansided. One talks offense, one talks defense. Both were great interviews. Both were solo jobs. I'm not going to say that joke. Both were solo <laughs> jobs as Buckets was busy. Did you win that game? I don't know. We're going to keep that in the room. Okay. Too. But, I mean, why are we here? We're talking Sabres. They're right around the corner. Yeah, we were, that's coming up in Q&A. Good old Sabres talk. Let's talk about this weekend, Bill. The big 3-0. How does it feel? You are... Three days away from being 30 years old. You know, if you looked at us, graduation week at uh, SUNY Cortland, some would predict we wouldn't make it here. <laughs> uh, but here, you know, 30, still got to get it to Sunday. If they, uh, if they saw us graduation weekend, they would say Stasiak would not make it yeah, to 30. Yeah. And he still might not. <laughs> He's still got a ways to go. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, 30, it might hit a little different. Uh, looking forward to getting out to Kansas City tomorrow. Uh, to support the Bills, going to have some good people out there. Really looking forward to to the barbecue. Yeah, what are your plans besides the game? Anything? You know, I like it when there's no plans. Going to get in. All I know is we got the tickets, the hotel, and the flights all set, and everything else will take care of itself. Got a good crew out there. Give us the crew. Decent Stop teasing tickets. and just give us the crew. Uh, last second um, insertion into the lineup was Whoa. Ace and Page. Um, no, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep it PG-13, yeah. but – um, Ryan Meisner, the Jane Blatt's crew is going to be out there. Brett Keppel just landed. The Eagle has landed. The Eagle has landed. And Was that a ball joke? And speaking of Eagles, I would. And speaking of you know hole in ones, I think that big guy Pete DeSabio, the man of the yep. 2021 summer, is probably going to be out there. Uh, and, and sorry if I forgot the name, but it's going to be a fun time <laughs> out there. Really looking forward to it. All right, and the Bills are 3-1. and one. They obviously lose the heartbreak. Not really a heartbreaker. They lose a very just disappointing game to the Pittsburgh Steelers, come back and outscore their opponents. Arts outscore their opponents by nearly 100 points the next three games. What is your confidence level overall? We're going to give a deep dive into this game in a little bit, but just overall, what's your confidence level headed into Sunday? About a 7. Uh, about out a of seven, uh, ten. Ten, a yep. seven, seven out of a hundred. <laughs> um, you know, the opponent, we'll talk about this, but the opponents Buffalo's played have, you know, obviously not been very good. Yep. Um, so, I don't know. Dan, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I would say mine's closer to a, if we're doing out of ten, over to a six. I would say anywhere between a 5.7 and a six. It just seems too good to be true. Correct. Right? I Thank mean, 30th, you. I yep. mean, personally. Yep. 30th birthday, getting out there, uh, something's bound to go wrong, right? Well, hopefully not, and I hope you have a, <laughs> a great time. Let's have some po positive vibes only, as our good All friend right. Sean Dungan says. We need a lot of positive vibes heading into the weekend. We are going to touch on a lot of this Bills game, but we have a lot to get to before that. We're going to do a little bit of a roundtable discussion here, a little Q&A for B&D. Question. What kind of bear is best? It's a ridiculous question. False. Black bear. Why are you the way that you are? What'd you do? Hey, what do you guys like better, nurse or cheerleader? Bill, let's start with some 
Playoff baseball. Your Red Sox defeated the Yankees 6-2. to They beat up on Garrett Cole, who really was just a shell of an ace in that game. The Dodgers win in a game that I'm actually surprised they won. That felt like a sneaky. They have such a great season. They'd get upset with a red-hot team. You know, your playoff veterans and Wainwright Molina, and it was a great game. It ends up being a walk-off home run for Chris Taylor. 3-1 to win for the Dodgers. Their record this year was unbelievable. The fact they're wild cards, hilarious. So give me your thoughts, first of all, on those two games if you want to hit on them, but just the one-game playoff overall. Well, Chris Taylor, interesting story. I think it was eight for his last 89 or something like that. and Didn't even start the game. Was in as a pinch hitter. Um, so that's why October baseball is the best. Red Sox, yeah, I've faded a little bit on my Red Sox glory. I'm certainly going to watch the playoffs. Happy that, of course, that they beat New York. But the one-game playoff, Dan, I've hated it from the beginning. I think it's an absolute joke if you're going to play 162 games. Uh, to settle something that big in one game I think is terrible. They're doing it for TV. And, yes, Dan, ESPN did hit hit, hit big in that, in that Boston-New York game. It was the most-watched baseball game they've had in years, especially from a streaming standpoint. So, you know, it's an entertainment business, and I understand that side of it, but to ask a team to play 162 plus a month of string, spring training and settle it, you know, on potentially one pitch, I think is kind of asinine. I would agree with that. It's a really it's a strong take, Bill. I'm glad you came prepared with that one. Um, would you like to uh, – let's just – Dan, I'll go to you. Okay, go ahead. No, I got I got to be more respectful of you because you're running this gosh darn thing. No, I was just going to say this isn't going to have to be like an extra Q&A. Let's just give our thoughts. Now, it's it's – as it often is, it's just a it's a very bitter taste in my mouth as a Mets fan. Watch like it's t- it's hard to root for any of these NL teams, so that's why it's probably not betting with my head. But I'm I'm gonna say that the Brewers come out of the NL because I hate the Braves, I hate the Giants, I hate the Dodgers. So I watched a lot of baseball this year. Um, I think the Giants are the best team in baseball. Uh, overall, top to bottom. I think the Gosman, the Gauze, he can stop any bleed. <laughs> and uh, I oh, think them good. and the Rays are going to be the top two. I put that play in a long time ago. I'm going to stick by that. I think they're the two coast most to coast action. error-proof teams. Don't know who's going to win. I think by the time that World Series comes around, it'll be uh, Buckets and Dan Q2, if you will, Buckets and Dan mm-hmm. quarterly, and we'll, we'll, we'll address that when it comes. But Giants-Rays for me. Yeah, I would say the Rays Brewers, and it's only, again, because I'm rooting for both those teams. Oh, I wouldn't mind seeing the White Sox. I actually had this conversation with Jim Abbott, the uh, my friend, not the old pitcher, and he was saying it's very – it's I mean, it's a pretty basic statement that I'm pretty sure everyone can agree with. Like, the White Sox, very entertaining to watch, but how do you possibly root for Tony La Russa? Just, just a blah guy. So, yeah, that's our thoughts. Really, I mean, we've – what a fall from grace. Talk about the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> yeah we, we did not give a lot of insight there. But let's move on. Let's talk uh, our good – our a very loyal listener, my cousin Dan. Dan from Rhode Island. I actually have no idea if you're still in the Rhode Island area. But my cousin Dan wants to hear from Buckets and Dan. Did Mac Jones outplay Tom Brady in that Sunday night football game? I don't think so. And – Mac Jones, to me, looked like Trent Edwards. Um, Really, really was solid at the five yards out, getting the ball out quick. I think he's that kind of quarterback. I'm not necessarily scared by him. I don't think he's going to back down from any moment. I think he'll be in the league for 
quite some time, um, but certainly not scared by him. And Brady, I'm just continually impressed by, um, really impressed by Belichick. I will say that. I think they had a good defensive game plan. The game was ugly. Um, Dan, what about you? Yeah, the game was ugly. I think, and it's easy to say this, I think the weather played a huge factor. I think the weather kept the Patriots in it. Again, if Antonio Brown catches a ball right in his hands, it doesn't even come down to that missed field goal kick. So Brady certainly, again, Brady certainly had him in position to win. It was a cool feeling. I think I saw a tweet, something worded like this, like it's so weird being a Buffalo fan, winning 40 to nothing and watching Tom Brady rip the heart out of New England. Usually, for, I mean, for all those years, it was New England blowing on an opponent and Tom Brady, you know what I mean? But anyway, um, yeah, I will say the one thing I was very impressed with Mac Jones is he took some hits. From those guys, especially your defensive rookie of the year projected that try-on guy. Your defensive rookie of the year, unfortunately. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Um, yeah, so I was impressed by that, but I think you're right. It, that that type of quarterback is not a is not a sustainable way to win in the NFL, at least if you want to be championship caliber or whatever. I mean, he is, he is nothing to be afraid of. He's not mobile. He makes quick decisions in – that I believe is a someone you can game plan for once there's some more tape out on. So maybe it's just our Buffalo bias. I don't know. I maybe New England's buzzing about him because the game was so close. But I couldn't have loved any more that they got their heart ripped out at the end. So, all right. And then I actually have some other rapid fire questions that Dan wants answered. And let me look them up real quick. People want to ask me questions. I'm here for they it. They want to ask yep. away. Um. He wants to know why he wants to know from both of us why Theo Epstein, why Theo Epstein won't is that his name Theo Epstein won't go I was thinking of the what's the bad guy's name Epstein yeah I know different that guy. guy right he's yeah. a bad boy yep um, Jeffrey yes yeah that's why okay why Theo Epstein won't go to the Mets and I again I heard it's because he the next place he goes to he wants like ownership stock into which is worth way more than any contract you want but regardless I mean they're they're again. They're striking out over and over again on these guys. <laughs> we should do a Mets show, a Mets <laughs> no, offseason no, primer. thanks. I'll say this. I think it sounds like pressure that you don't want or need. Like, that guy's a multimillionaire. He's probably got some cushy job in baseball. And why want people coming at your head if you're not going to be winning? It's not a great situation. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> Um, the Yankees haven't been good for like 12 years. Why don't people treat them like the Bills? That was a rude way to word that. They but made the playoffs and yeah, and they still are going out and signing top free agents yeah. and whatnot. Come, I, this come, is come, this is what I'm talking about. It's, it's people like Dan that, that like they it's people like that that now I hate the Red Sox. I used to love the Red Sox, not love them. I used to really like the Red Sox in terms of like my AL team. They're kind of like a underdog like they always had funny characters but like, like the Pedro years yeah and even after that like I was a big Napoli guy and yeah. Johnny Gomes and attack. yeah that, that was still back <laughs> behind yeah. me yeah um but I, I hope they get absolutely smacked by Tampa Bay yeah. just so these friggin' boss yeah. fits can get off their high horse um does Buckets think this year was a success for the Red Sox yeah you're in the ALDS sure it's a tough division. And I mean, they also, Toronto the expectations was, weren't high. No. I mean, a lot of that has to do with Cora, right? He's done a really good job. Um, I think deserves a lot of credit. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a fine year. I, I don't expect them to beat Tampa Bay. When, but when really it seems like 80 to 90% of the public is on a small market team, I think things will happen. And I would not be shocked at all if Boston is playing in the ALCS. Really? You think yeah, they I get... mean, I wouldn't be shocked. I got the raise, but that's why right. I think, like, 
October. I don't think they got the pitching. Happens. They don't have the pitching. I don't either. Uh, but I don't. And here's the thing. I know we're going to talk about my fantasy prowess and everything. The first two pitchers for the Rays, I know little to nothing about. Correct. They're still it's, starting it's like Michael Walker. So they strange. bullpen you to death, though. That's yes, the difference. Death. Yep. Okay, let's go. All right. Um, Bill, this yeah. comes from our friend Jesus mm. down in Fort Lauderdale. Bill, uh, bu- dear Buckets and Dan, I am exasperated with this Urban Meyer news. He's already on my last nerve. What are your thoughts on it? How long does he last? Uh, about four years. About four years. No, I, I you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I think, a, a I think about Urban Meyer and I, and I, people in this country, especially over the past couple of years, haven't talked enough or oh, don't care enough about politics. So I think we just got to get political. Um, no, but Perfect. in all seriousness, he, he, he feels to me, I like feel like this weird striking resemblance. And I've thought this for months. He feels like Trump to me, right? He like, he's had this like great career of like a lot of success and then leaving a school kind of on his own terms and always, always being on his own terms. We can debate the Trump success thing, but go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, the guy became president. I mean, let's talk some politics in here. But he, you know, he kind of was always in his own little world, right? And made it to the top. And Urban Meyer has kind of done the same thing, but in the football world. And then he goes to Jacksonville, gets this job where I think this contract was written up with a lot of leverage leaning towards Urban Meyer, he'd be fired by now. And look at all these things that have transpired. It's almost like the presidency of Trump, where like crazy thing after crazy thing after crazy thing, right? Like, let's go back. They hire the Iowa strength coach, like a certified racist, right? He hires, um, and that was so bad, actually, that the strength coach had to resign days after the hiring. Yep. And it wasn't a huge deal. At the time, it should have been probably a bigger deal. He, what else did he do? He, the Tebow, Tim Tebow thing. Um, now he's now the latest thing. Now the latest thing, you know. And I think it's weird. The one thing I'll say, and Dan, I'll give you the time you need to express your opinion. Um, it's week four, and like he's like, ah, <laughs> gotta stay <laughs> home, right? Like he can't go back on the team plane. Like imagine if a cornerback wanted to stay home. Yeah, I guess that's the big thing that that's unheard of for an NFL coach to do that, and then just be grinding on this girl in the state of Ohio, where he's a god and will obviously get recognized, and with his with like a picture of him and his wife, like on a like a on the on the backsplash, yeah, the backsplash, <laughs> yeah. It's just he just is a scumbag. Yeah. He is just a scumbag guy, and I can't like everyone. I at least thought it was a joke when they was when he was hired, and it's turning out to be a circus. And now you have all these, you know, of course, um, what's the word? This anonymous anonymous sources saying like he's already like they're already laughing at him in team meetings. Like he's just he's just a just a you know just a ugh, guy. I think the interesting question, Dan, and this is a Q to A from Bill to Dan. I think like. Where does he does he see opening game of next season? I think a lot of that you have to think about what his contract. I was is just like. listening to a podcast and they said, "Does this have the?" It might have been. Yeah, actually, it was part of my take, so I apologize to all those that listened to that as well. They were asking Pete Frisco, like, does, "Does this seem more like a Nick Saban deal where it's a one and done, or a Bobby Petrino deal where he just gets up and leaves halfway through the year?" And he said, "Far more Bobby Petrino. Like one day he just won't be there." Yeah. All right, Dan, moving on, a uh, team that we're both pretty high on preseason. Uh, you're a little stronger than I was. 
we've we've recorded this a few times now. Um, <laughs> Carolina Panthers uh, having a good start to the season. Darnold and company. Dan, they they go out yesterday, make a pretty big splash. Also, interesting story on the Patriots side, letting Gilmore go. Stephon Gilmore, Rock Hill, South Carolina native, former Buffalo Bill. Dan, former NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Dan, what what kind of impact does that make, or does that change your opinion on the Panthers through four games? First of all, I saw a very funny tweet that quote tweeted the trade details, and it just said Brandon Bean playing the long game because yeah. he's going to Carolina. We're going to flip him for a fifth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thought that was funny. Then I will also say that um, not only did they get Gilmore, but a few weeks ago they traded for a former eighth overall pick in C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville. Yep. Speaking of Jacksonville's dysfunction, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and yeah, this yeah, is yeah. because my, like Bill mentioned a few minutes ago, my projected defensive rookie of the year, J.C. Horn, broke his foot. Now a broken foot, yeah, it hurts like a mother, but that's what like any bone, like four to six weeks. So it's not like that's a season-ending injury, I would think. So now when he comes back, you have him, Gilmore, and C.J. Henderson. I mean, that's completely flipping over your secondary. So yeah, I really like what Carolina is doing. I like it for this year. I like it for the future. I mean, you think about they got a lot of good defensive pieces. They signed Hassan Reddick. That Burns defensive end Brian is Burns, really good. Yeah. Um, and now corners galore, and well, Gilmore will be one year, be, or they—I mean, they could—they could technically re-sign him, but he's on a one-year deal, yeah. I believe. Uh, offensively, they've added pieces. I like them this year. I like them beyond. I think they're a sneaky team. I do. And speaking of sneaky teams, and another sneaky release, Dan, the Jalen Smith cut the the Dallas Cowboys. They've been a lot better than I w- could have imagined, and I think. It's easy to hype that. I don't even know if I'm going to make this a Q&A. I'm sorry, but I'll, okay. I'll talk. You talk. We'll, we'll give our Cowboys points. Yep. Through hard knocks and everything, I was going to be more out. Um, and now I'm starting to be in, right? Like they've every game that they've played, even the Chargers game that they – Even the they Tampa – They beat the Chargers. Correct. They almost beat Tampa. Yep. And they just beat Carolina. Like yep. they're playing good teams. And I think this Giants game is a test. Even it's NFC I East agree. is always a test. I so agree. I'm actually kind I of excited to watch I think the Giants to cover. It. I'm excited to watch it. I'm talking over you a lot today. I apologize. No, I, I, you know, I've made a habit of it. I think I'm a firm believer that bad coaches rear their heads eventually, and I don't think he's a very good coach. Now, what he's doing, which is smart, which I think I heard somebody – this might be Prisco again. I just – I apologize. I keep on taking from this interview. It was a great interview. But McCarthy's just leaning on his two very good coordinators. Kellen Moore is going to be a head coach someday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And – Dan Quinn coming over. Now, again, some guys are just made to be coordinators, and he was not a very good head coach in Atlanta, but he's a good defensive coordinator, and you could see the difference. You could see the difference of that Micah Parsons and what he brings. And it's while Parsons it's a, has been very good. Yeah, while it's a sh- well, it came to a shock to many, I think if most Cowboys fans reacted as in, like, good. Now, I don't know. The only thing I could say is that he must be a locker room problem to just cut him – and because they're they're eating a lot of money doing that. Now, for some teams, it doesn't really matter, I guess, like for Jerry Jones, if you're eating money that's off the books. But I don't know. It just seems weird. And Green Bay picks him up. So, again, these guys get released and prevalent teams usually pick them up. Yeah. We're going to talk about Josh Gordon yep. and the Chiefs later on. So, yeah, I, I think it's a team that, again, I always – because I just am not great at – you know, sports analysis, I always tend to go more my heart than my head. So, yeah, on paper, yeah, they look good, but something tells you, like, the Cowboys look, yeah, they'll screw it up at some point. Dan, Sabre season coming up, and I thought, you know, you kind of duped me into this. Uh, I thought this was all this show was about. Well, Sabre's preview. Yeah. Um, Dan, are you, are you excited? 
<laughs> is that what I wrote? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Are you, I'm just asking. Are you excited? <laughs> I, li- I literally have zero excitement. Okay, let's say this, and and this is funny. Like today, I'm sitting around, you know, whatever, and uh, the Sabers like Twitter thing comes up, like win tickets for the home opener. And usually, I'm like, <laughs> heck yeah, I'm gonna throw my name in. I was really close to not doing it. Like if they called me Wait, tomorrow, Wait, so you said, did it? Of course, I did it from a couple <laughs> different accounts. <laughs> um. But, well, if, if, but you were real close to not. If they yeah. called me tomorrow and said, you want Sabres, Canadians, I'd probably go. I'd probably try and get someone to go. <laughs> That's and a that, tough sell. It's a low spot. Sabres season opener. Yeah. That's I th- the game of the year. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I think, um, look, at if it, you could be exciting and bad. So, like, their goaltending should be bad. Like, Ooh. goal. Go with, lose five four yes yeah. and and make it watchable like fine I, what it comes down to though is that you gotta see progress from guys that you want to build around so you need cousins to take that next step middle step to actually take a step Darlene to like start rounding into form of like one of the best defensemen in the yeah. league like otherwise where what is the future of this team is Eichel on the team opening night uh no. I mean, no, oh. is he on the, I'm sorry, is he still under tra- I think he's going to get traded in like a week. Yeah, I think he's going to get traded like right before the season starts. Yeah, like it's going to be right up to <laughs> so, the gun. Okay, so I mean, they're going to have some hope. Yeah, he will, okay? Yeah. And I got a little point, and this just came to my head, but this might, this will be, Dan, the worst season in in Buffalo history from a fan standpoint, right? Like empty stadium or empty arena, no energy, no excitement, right? Don't you think? Um, Ticket, from a ticket sale standpoint? I mean, when they were tanking, they were pretty bad. Like, I think a lot. Like Jerry Demigo was playing top six minutes. I think a lot minutes. more people are going to the games. Than I, I also think people are a lot more pissed and will not be going. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's one way you solve it. And now, uh, PSA: alcohol is not the the ish, the answer for everything in life. But <laughs> I think if you do like three dollar beers, you're gonna pack. You that gotta place. do some college nights. You got college. You can't even get the college kids to come. They're playing video games. You need to get the. What, the 30-year-old uh, single thir- guys that live near Brighton Golf Course to get there? The 30-year-old guys trying to get out of the house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you got you to gotta appeal to those guys. $3 beers, <laughs> $2 hot dogs. They're going to pack the place up. I think that's the only way out. I think that's actually the only way out. I don't think you can sell $5 tickets and fill the place. I think you can only do it by selling $3 beers. because yeah. I agree. All right. And there, I, the site I was looking at before has the current over under point total at sixty eight and a half. Uh, it's just way under. It's just but, it, like they're gonna they're gonna get like fifty eight points, Dan. Wait, but <laughs> if you th- like sixty eight and a half, so if like thirty forty three and nine is not a great record, and that would get to sixty nine points. Yeah, I just I just don't see how they win at all. Really, okay. I think they might win like fourteen games. <laughs> Okay. I'm not kidding. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All mark they had last year. Yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Last one before we get to some bills. Q and Reinhardt. We gotta hurry this up. We're okay. Cl- we- Risto. Um. Bill, you are now back to back to back champion in our home run derby league. Back to back was never done before. It's unprecedented. It's mind boggling. You've officially built a dynasty. Your team went on an unprecedented run toward the end. Tyler O'Neill. Put the team on his back. It was it was very impressive. You also, the one that I was just basically an investor for, we got third place, which was um, a good mo- chunk of money for each of us. And then you fin- you cashed out another league. I won the other league. You won yeah. the other league. I'm like the 
Rafael Iglesias, two strikeouts. So what? Last what do you attribute your success to? And do you offici- would you officially label yourself as a fantasy baseball savant? Yeah, I mean, I definitely am a fantasy baseball savant. I, I attribute to the the success to the work, and yep. I've I wake up every day and I actually do fantasy baseball like every single day and do a lot. And I I, I you know I attribute the success to some of my areas of not success in my life because I'm spending time doing this when I could do spending time doing other <laughs> things that might, you know, enhance my real quality of life. But I chose this path and I'm $1,300 richer today, you know, with uh, three baseball caches. Um, but do, okay. And, and it, three out of three, I think is, it's one of the greatest accomplishments in my 30 years. <laughs> it really is. I mean, <laughs> There's right. only about 20 people who know about it. In all seriousness, like it, like yeah, that is how you like you're waking up every morning, whatever. That's how you win, like a fantasy baseball league. That's fine. Our fantasy league is just you draft the team and then it's done for the whole year except one pickup. <coughs> how much prep? I, I, you don't strike me as a guy that's studying for weeks no, leading I, up I to do the some work behind okay. the scenes. And this is funny. Emily will appreciate this. Sometimes you know, I wake up. It's like three, four in the morning. You know, I'm thirty, about to be thirty. You got to use the restroom. You come back on my phone. Emily's like, "What? What are you doing on your phone?" I'm like, "Just like," and she'll she'll tell you, "Fantasy baseball." <laughs> Just <laughs> do fantasy baseball like three thirty in the morning. Hard work pays off. All right, let's get serious. Let's let's rein this back in. Couple, we haven't even gotten to the Bills game yet. I know we'll go quick. Couple questions here regarding the Bills game in our Q and A. Our good friend Corey Martin wants to know, with with Spencer Brown getting such positive reviews this past week versus Houston, what do you think the O-line looks like this week versus Kansas City? A lot of the same. I think you got you probably put in Feliciano for Botker, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think you see Spencer Brown. I think he's like a utility knife now. I think you can put him out on some certain packages, and I think he's actually going to be really good. And Why? He's definitely starting at right tackle the whole game. Yeah, all right. Okay. You know the prep work I do. Okay, great. And I want you to ask this. Our good friend. Yeah, our good friend Steve. Steve Smaggerton from Tampa. Of the draft prospects you and Buckets looked at in the offseason, as possible fits for the Buffalo Bills, who are you most disappointed we did not get? And when I first read this question, it's probably because I did so much prep for this game versus Kansas City. The two they popped into my head were Nick Bolton, linebacker for the Chiefs, and Creed Humphrey, the starting center. And Nick Bolton, it's funny, you're going to listen to our interview with Matt Verderam. And after we were done, I asked off air, like, what are your thoughts on Nick Bolton? He said, cannot cover anybody. Like, <laughs> like literally the slowest linebacker's ever seen. We'll, like, we'll thump you if you run right at him. And then I was like, well, that's weird that they drafted him in the second round. Then I was listening to a podcast today. It said some Chiefs guy was on. Covers. And, and he was like, well, the Chiefs were trying to get away from that 4-2-5 like the Bills are, you know, obviously famous for, and other teams like the slot corners, becoming so much more prevalent, and they're trying to get back to a four-three with Willie Gay and uh, Hutchins, I think the guy's name is, and you know Bolton would have been that typical middle linebacker thumper slow guy like a Preston Brown or a Brandon Spikes right. or something like that, and they just haven't been able to because Willie Gay's been out the whole year, and, and as of now, as of this recording, Willie Gay is still not activated to that 53-man roster, which would be huge if he missed. So two linebackers, him and Milano, we're going to get to that in the preview, both might be out, but he was one of them, and Creed Humphrey, second-round pick that fell to the second round due to injury concerns, he has been un- absolutely unbelievable. Um, this past week, he recorded a grade of 93.7 
which is the highest grade of all time from a interior lineman in pro football focus, which I don't really understand how they do those grades, but he's been phenomenal. Uh, I the, Another name that came to mind was Eric Stokes. He had his first interception for the Packers this past year. The Apostles. The, yep. Um, Jeremiah owusu koromoa has been unbelievable. He is, like, universally. Like, he's the front runner for defensive rookie yeah, of the year. For sure. He's been phenomenal. <laughs> no, he's not. Micah Parsons is. Well, well yeah, those two. I Right now, I'd give the edge to... Yeah, I guess you're right. But. And then a the guy that you loved, Asante Samuel Jr., has been unbelievable. He's only given up 12 catches on 19 targets, two picks, two forced fumbles. He's been a turnover machine for the Chargers. So, yeah, there's a few guys. And we're, well, we'll get to that later. But really quick, just for what's this, who sent this in? Um, Sam. Or, no, Steve. Steve Smagerton. While we're on the topics of rookies, I do have a name to watch out for because there's a huge game this weekend in college football between Penn State and Iowa, and the early mocks that are going out for these Buffalo Bills is watch out for Iowa center and interior offensive lineman Tyler Linderbaum, redshirt senior. You tell me what part doesn't fit the Sean McDermott mold. Redshirt senior, so he's he's played a lot of games. 6'3", 290, was on the leadership group as a sophomore, a former wrestler, and on the Dean's list this past year. So smart, aggressive football player. He's the guy that's been getting mocked that. So something to watch for if you're watching that game. Uh, Steve also wants to know, is that Virginia Tech corner that we love still on the Jets? Bryce Hall, he's good. He's probably their best pick in the last decade. Fifth-round pick, <laughs> and he's their starting right corner right now. And the last question he has is, how many times have you lost track of your thoughts while staring at buckets during recording? And I would say never. So as we wrap up Q&A, let's send it over to our first interview, Charles Goldman of Chiefs Wire, to discuss the Chiefs offense versus the Bills defense. Here we go! Bills fans have had this game marked on their calendar from the second the schedule was released, and we are finally here. This Sunday night, the Bills will travel to Kansas City to face the Chiefs in a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. To talk more about the Chiefs and specifically their offense, I am very happy to have on Charles Goldman, managing editor for the Chiefs Wire, also featured on the USA Today Network. Charles, thank you for hopping out with me tonight. I really appreciate you carving out some time in what I'm sure is a pretty busy week for you. Yeah, hey, thanks for for having me on, Dan. Uh, Let's dive right in. Let's focus big picture before we start, though. I kind of look at this as a bit of an early season prove-it type game for both teams. I mean, the Bills need to prove that they can simply beat the Chiefs after going 0-2 last year in two pretty non-competitive games, regardless of the score in the first matchup. The Chiefs just beat them up and down with the run game. And the Chiefs want to show that despite their record, they're still top dog in the conference. So they come in 2-2. Two two. What is what is the buzz regarding this game for the people down in Kansas City? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, obviously Sunday night football game, playing against a, a, a big AFC uh, competitor. And, you know, you, you kind of said it there, the Chiefs didn't really start off the season the way they wanted to. You know, uh, back-to-back losses in week two and week three to, to two AFC opponents. So 
you know, if you, you have this, if you have a third loss to a big AFC opponent, it's going to be a problem, even if it's early in the season. And, you know, when, when it comes down to it, you get there later in the season and uh, those three losses could come back to hurt you if you're, you know, trying to buy for a, for a wild card spot. So I think for, for Kansas City right now, they're trying not to make this game too big. I think they're trying to take things one game at a time right now because they really have to after the poor start they've had. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, they, they, they know the importance of this game, right? Um, and, and they'd like to build on their, their week four win with another one this week. Can you give us an overall fans' perspective on what the people of Kansas City think of the Bills? Do they look at them as a legitimate competitor, or after the two wins this year, do they still consider you know you got to beat us um, to prove that you even belong in the same class as us? Right. I, I think that that for the most part, going into this season, that was the general consensus with any team in the AFC that that the Chiefs were facing. Right. Fans were kind of skeptical. They felt that the Chiefs were still kind of top dog and team to beat and that no one had really made the moves to be the, you know, in the same class. Um, I, I think for, for the Chiefs and, and their fans, it, it all starts with Josh Allen because he really hasn't played any like great games against the Chiefs so far. Yep. Really the, the, those last two games in particular, I mean, he, just had kind of average performances mm-hmm. compared to, you know, some of his better games against other teams. So I, I think they're really looking saying, well, can, can Josh Allen be the guy and take the next step? Because that's going to be what pushes the bills over a team like the chiefs. Yeah. That's pretty much the same thoughts we have here. And when we focus on Kansas city now, Let's start up front. It was clear after last year's defeat in the Super Bowl to Tampa Bay that the offensive line needed work. Well, they went through a complete overhaul. They go get the big-ticket guard and Joe Tooney from New England. They bring Kyle Long out of retirement, who, of course, is on the pup list and hasn't played a game yet. And they go trade in another splash. They go trade a first-round pick to Baltimore for Orlando Brown. They draft two rookies, both of which are end up starting right now, but they feel like they got their guy up the middle in Creed Humphrey. So, through four games, Charles, how would you grade this offensive line, and do you see improvement week to week the more they play together? Yeah, I, I think there's undoubtedly improvement week to week. I think if I had to give them a, a letter grade right now, it'd be like a B plus. I, I think um, the tackles have the most room for improvement. I, I've been really impressed by the interior offensive line, specifically the two rookies, Creed Humphrey and and Trey Smith. If if you had, you know, told anyone, hey, these guys were starting 10 years in the league and just showed them the tape, you wouldn't be able to tell that they weren't a 10-year veteran. They're, they're really – they've been playing that well. I mean, Creed Humphrey, he, he's allowed one sack uh, and, and no other pressures. And, and Trey Smith, he, he has, I think, one sack and, and six pressures uh, besides that sack on the season. So, I mean – those are some of the top numbers, not just among rookies, but in the league right. for interior offensive linemen at their position. So um, I, I, I really like what, what they've done with the interior of the offensive line. They're, they're nasty in the run game. They hold up really well in the pass game. They're athletic, can, can get out uh, on screen passes and uh, second-level runs and what have you. Uh, I do think the tackles, uh, like I mentioned a little earlier, they need some improvement. Orlando Brown Jr. has struggled uh, at times, as has uh, Lucas Yang. They're both, uh, I would say, a little bit more 
a little bit closer to average than, than the interior offensive line has been so far. Um, but it, I mean, it hasn't really slowed the chiefs offense down any, uh, having those new guys in there, which I think was the big thing, right. You know, uh, it, it, Patrick Mahomes, obviously feeling himself feeling a bit more protected and the run game's gotten going the last couple of weeks, two weeks in a row with Clyde Edwards, Alaire over a uh, hundred rushing yards. So I, I would say that the offensive line so far, they've done their job. Can they get better? Absolutely. Uh, and I think they'll see a little bit more improvement this week uh, as they did last week. Yeah, let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, would you attribute these back-to-back 100-yard games to him maturing as a back? Is the O-line more run game oriented? Is it because teams are playing pass first, a little bit of everything? What do you think the main contributors are to his success the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think uh, Andy Reid has something to do with it. I think he's realizing that you know when when the teams uh, <laughs> when the teams are going to play the pass the way they have been, um, really keying in on on Tyree Kill and and Travis Kelsey, um, that that you know they need to go to the ground game a little bit more. And I think he's kind of instilled that in Patrick Mahomes to look for that when they have the lighter boxes to check to some of these running plays and. And really, just the offensive line, you know, they, they've done a tremendous job, uh, much better than last season, uh, creating holes and opportunities for Edwards Lair. And uh, he had a tough go early on this season, a couple fumbles and whatnot. But uh, these past two games, he's really bounced back and, and attacked it uh, the, the way you'd like to see after a player has some struggles. Yeah, you mentioned the offense hasn't missed a beat. You're absolutely right. They're tied for the league lead in points per game with Buffalo, actually, but they've played much harder competition. And last last week, excuse me, Tyree Kill found himself again, 186 yards on 11 receptions after going for just eight catches for 70 yards the two games prior. And we know how much Kelsey kills the Bills. So taking those two out of the equation, not that the Bills will, I'm just taking them out of the equation, who are the secondary <laughs> options in the passing game that we should be aware of? Well, this week, it's, I, I think you got to be aware of uh, the, the newcomer, Josh Gordon. Uh, he has been officially signed to the 53-man roster. It sounds like he's going to make his debut uh, against the Buffalo Bills. And, I mean, just everything I've heard so far, and obviously a lot of it's probably hype, right? <laughs> you know, new player, everyone's excited right. about it. But everything I've heard so far is that he's in incredible shape, uh, that he's built great chemistry with, with Mahomes in a short period of time. And uh, I'd expect Andy Reid to have a package of plays for him. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he played anywhere from 35% to 45% of the snaps uh, this week really? out there in his debut. Yeah. Interesting. I was not expecting that. Great. And the rich get richer over there. Great. Um, and <laughs> Obviously, Mahomes leads the league in passing touchdowns. He's been unbelievable. So if you – and people always say this about the Bills' offense too, even though it hasn't started out nearly as hot as Kansas City. But if you are – just flip flip scripts for me. So you're, you're on defense. You're trying to stop this. What are some things that the Bills might be able to exploit? Does it simply come down to getting a pass rush and getting Mahomes uncomfortable? I mean – Every time we play these guys, they just whatever we try to take away, they seem to just find another option. Obviously, they do that to a lot of teams. So, if you were trying to game plan against them, what are some things you would try to attack? Well, I mean, if you look at the two games they've lost this season, the key has been to bracket Tyree Kill and take him away. But it's a little bit harder to do that when you've got a player like Josh Gordon on the field. So, I, I, 
I think that they might be one one week too late to exploit that weakness. <laughs> but um, we'll we'll just see. I I think that you know uh, if they if the Bills change things up uh, and just keep throwing a bunch of different stuff, different blitzes, different looks at Patrick Mahomes. I, you can't be complacent when you play them. That that's really the key. Uh, if if you're doing the same thing or keeping to to a single strategy, he's going to figure it out eventually and figure out a way to exploit it. So you have to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to show him new looks, things that he hasn't seen before, and, and perhaps things that that can give you that advantage. Do you have a prediction for us, Charles? Uh, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are going to keep rolling, being that they're at home at Arrowhead. Um, I, I think that they'll probably win maybe about, I don't know, six or seven points. Uh, I'm thinking it's like a, you know, like a 37-30 type of game. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that, that Josh Allen's going to perform better this time around, but I, I think a loss is going to give him something to think about when these two teams meet in the playoffs again. Yeah, and that's, you know, when you think about playoff, real quick before I let you go, so let's say the Bills do find a way to win this. That gets them basically three games up on the Chiefs if you include the head-to-head tiebreaker. So when it co- how important do you think the number one seed is for Kansas City, home field throughout? Or do you think that this team is so electric it's not really going to matter? But how much do you think the home field helps out this uh, offense and defense, I guess? I think it's absolutely crucial for this team to get home field advantage just because of how poorly the defense has been playing so far. I mean, you, you, you look at their defensive struggles and you look, go back and look at week one and you know how their defense was kind of struggling in the first half and how they kind of took over in the second half with the crowd right at their backs. I mean, it's going to be so important for them to have that crowd noise and that home field advantage. Uh, in the playoffs and, and you know they've kind of dug themselves a hole so it's hard to kind of expect them to get that but um, I think if they can just show a little bit of sign of improvement on the defense keep rolling on offense that that they can dig themselves out of that hole and potentially uh, get that number one seed in the AFC. It'll certainly hopefully live up to the hype. I'm looking forward to the shootout. We both agree the over is going to hit. And if Bills fans want to find any other information that you at Chiefs Wire are pumping out, where can we find you on Twitter? And, you know, what kind of sites can we look at? You can follow me personally at GoldMCTNFL on Twitter. You can follow our website at the Chiefs Wire on Twitter. You can follow us at facebook.com slash chiefswire or just head over to the website uh, chiefswire.com or chiefswire.usatoday.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charles. I really appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Alrighty then. over to the other side of the ball and welcome on Matt Verderam to discuss the matchup of the Bills offense versus the struggling Chiefs defense. Matt is a national NFL reporter for Fansided and you can also hear him on the Stacking the Box podcast. Matt, I really appreciate you making some time for me tonight. No problem. Happy to do it. Matt, your recent NFL power rankings have the Bills at two only behind Tampa Bay and the Chiefs all the way down to the 10 spot. So my original question was going to be, who do you think has more pressure on them as we approach Sunday night's game? But I would assume you think that's Kansas City. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that? You know, it's funny. 
I actually think it's the Bills in a weird way because Kansas City's been to back-to-back Super Bowls. Yep. Like they could go 11 and six and kind of figure it out. And if they've got to go on the road in the AFC playoffs, listen, that's a harder track to take than the ones they've taken the last couple of years. I mean, Mahomes has never played a road playoff game. They've always been at home. Wow. So, you know, that that is the harder road for sure. And so from that standpoint, yes. I mean, Kansas City needs it more that they're 2-2. Two two, the Bills are 3-1. That being said, and, and this isn't a knock on the Bills at all, but I think Kansas City would feel more confident going into Buffalo if it had to in a playoff game and winning – rather than it being the other way around, where if the Chiefs win this game, then Buffalo ends up having to come back to Kansas City in January. I, I just think that's a that's a bear. Like, at that point, you haven't beaten them at all in this matchup. you got to go back out to Arrowhead Stadium. So, you know, the Bills have proven quite a bit here in the last couple of years. I mean, they've gotten themselves to division winner status. They've gotten to the AFC title game. This is the last thing they've got to prove in the AFC. They've got to prove they can beat the Chiefs. So I think in a weird way, there's almost a little bit more pressure on them, even though, yes, in the standings, of course, Kansas City might need it a little bit more. I actually agree with that. And maybe it's just the 17-year playoff drought that's carved into my soul. But I have some friends that are very confident going into Sunday, and I just can't seem to get myself to that point. The one thing that does just keep giving me hope, and hope has crushed me in the past, but the one that keeps giving me hope is that this Kansas City defense is just not good right now, Just even just to be nice. They're just not good. They're giving up the second most yards and points as a unit thus far in the NFL, as well as the most yards per play, and they have some serious red zone issues with teams scoring touchdown at a nearly 80% clip. What, in your opinion, have been the main issues with this defense, or does it simply come down to the fact that they've played very good opponents? It's a lot of things. So, yes, they have played good opponents. Um, you know, they gave up 23 to Philadelphia before the base of the last play of the game as a touchdown to make it 42-30. to 30. But the Chiefs were awful in that game defensively. Um, if you watch that game, I mean, Jalen Hurts is doing whatever he wanted. The Chiefs sat in this really soft zone. They didn't try to bring in much pressure. And I think they did it because they are not a fast defense and they were worried about Philadelphia's speed. And so they just kept backing up. Well, they kept backing up right in their own end zone. And that's really been the case this year. Now, they, under Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, they will do a lot of different things. Some weeks they will not blitz at all. Other weeks they will blitz like crazy. It is, it is really hard to predict with them what they're going to do. And that's probably one of their greatest strengths, or maybe at this point their only strength defensively. But it's been a lot of things. They've been bad in tackling. They've missed a million tackles. They have had some guys out and hurt. You know, Shaverius Ward, their number two corner, has not played. Uh, he did not play last week. He should be back for the Bills game. Frank Clark has missed two of their three first games. Or, uh, you know, with, um, with the hamstring injuries, one actually each hamstring. I would think he'll be back. He practiced all last week. He just missed playing. I think that he'll play in this game. And then Willie Gay who was the second-round pick last year, who the Chiefs love. He's a very, very fast athletic linebacker, something they do not have when he's not on the field. He has missed the whole year to this point with turf toe, but they activated him on Tuesday. Uh, there's a, My understanding, talking to the sources, they're optimistic there's a chance he plays Sunday. Worst case, this is the last game he misses, so we'll see. kind of depends on the week of practice. But it's been miscommunications. Uh, they, have, they have had all kinds of problems getting lined up correctly, which – 
kind of astounding considering that most of the guys have been on this defense for years. It's been the same group, same coordinator. Uh, it, it's just been a comedy of errors, and it's been one that's cost them. And yet with all that said, if they don't turn the ball over six times in five quarters yep. between the fourth quarter of the Ravens game and the Chargers game in week three, they're 4-0, and like pretty yep. easily 4-0 despite playing some really good teams. So take from that what you will. They have been very bad defensively, but it hasn't mattered if the offense doesn't turn the ball because the offense has been that good offensively. Or even if they don't get that defensive pass interference call against the Chargers. And that kind of off script a little bit. I want to go break it down by each level in a second, but I I actually, you mentioned that Philadelphia game and we mentioned how the Chargers were super aggressive toward the end, even going for the touchdown. Now their kicker stunk that game, so it made the decision a little easier. But one thing that kind of worries me is McDermott tends to be a little conservative when he gets in these big spot and big games. And don't you think it's just wild that teams still do that against Kansas City? Like, Nick Sirianni really tried to field goal the Eagles to a win. It is just wild to me that NFL coaches still do that. So when it comes to McDermott, do you have any any worries or do you think that, you know, it's going to come down to the players and his decisions in terms of going forward? Now, like, it's going to come down to Josh Allen anyway. No, I mean, I, I think McDermott's a hell of a coach. And I would think he probably learned his lesson last year in the yep. AFC Championship game when they kicked two very short field goals, mm-hmm. end of the first half, beginning of the third quarter. Look, against this team, if you're going to kick field goals, especially down inside the 30-yard line, you might as well just punt the ball. Yep, There is no point. And I, look, I get Buffalo's been great defensively this year, and I'm not taking anything away from them. Two shutouts in three games is phenomenal. I don't care who you're playing. But this is a whole nother class of offense this weekend I mean even without Josh Gordon who now apparently is going to play in this game they the Chiefs are going to move the ball and score and that's they just that's they do it against everybody they're going to score 30 points in this game it's just who they are it's what they do by hook or by crook whether they run the ball down Buffalo's throat if they get that kind of a look or it's Mahomes just throwing it 50 times the Bills have to score seven points if they kick field goals in this game, they will lose. Um, you, you can't win with it, and you're right. You know, I was shocked watching the game against Philadelphia for Kansas City when Sirianni is kicking these short field goals. I mean, it's just it's it's crazy. You have no chance, no chance. against that. And and I and I think you know we've seen it from guys like Staley and Harbaugh. And Harbaugh, by the way, he's done this for years against Kansas City. Yep, where. They will not punt the ball. I mean, I've seen John Harbaugh go for fourth and three, fourth and four in his own 30-yard line against mm-hmm. Kansas City because it's just it's death. If you fall behind it, that is the one way Buffalo gets in trouble to me early in this game. If they fall prey to having to punt the ball a few times early, if Kansas City comes out, has big emotion because it's at home and it's a prime time, and the Bills don't get off to a quick start, and Kansas City gets up 10 points, 14 points, that is the one thing the Chiefs can do defensively. Spagnola will just blitz like crazy. They will start coming after them. They'll put on pressure. Now, I think Buffalo's offense is so good that they, they'll get back in the game, even if that's the way it goes. But I think for the, for the, for the Bills, the, the big key in this game, and you mentioned it earlier, you're right. The Chiefs are awful in the red zone defensively this year. They were last year. They were dead last in the league. You've got to beat them in the red zone. Because coming out of there with the three is like turning the football over. And that'll be interesting because Buffalo has struggled the past couple, well, at least this past week in the monsoon against Houston, even though they put up 40. But let's let's break it down um, 
level by level. Let's start with the secondary. Last year in the playoff game, Diggs kind of struggled against a physical and aggressive secondary, but he was battling a torn oblique. Cole Beasley was playing with a broken leg. John Brown and Gabe Davis were pretty much useless. So how much do you think a healthy Cole Beasley, who still put up decent numbers, and obviously new arrival Emmanuel Sanders can take help, help take the load off of Diggs' shoulders heading into this big matchup? They're going to have to. Uh, look, the Chiefs at the corners, if there's one level of defense that actually is good when it's healthy, it's, it's their secondary, at least, at least to some extent. Matthew is a great all-pro safety and he can come down, and I have a feeling he's going to come down and play some slot corner against Beasley in this game. Um, he's willing to do that. He's very good at it. I would, I would expect you're going to see him in every role you can imagine. Um, they will a lot of times play three safeties with Dan Sorensen and Juan Thornhill. Thornhill and Sorensen are not good tacklers. They, they cannot – now, Thornhill fast as all get out, but he just can't tackle. Sorensen is just slower, um, but both – both guys, look, they have their certain roles. Thornhill's a good center field safety, and, and Sorensen can come down in the box and, and lay a hit and play a tight end. So I think if you're if you're Kansas City, you're going to probably play a lot of that look. But Jarius Sneed is the name that the Bills fans don't know they have to know because he, he is a very, very good second-year corner. He was a steal last year out of Louisiana Tech in the fourth round for the Chiefs. He's been excellent. They can put him on number one receivers, and he's held up. He held up last year very well in the NFC or the AFC title game, rather. So, you know, I would expect a lot of him on Diggs. I'd expect Traverius Ward on Sanders, which is an issue. That, to me, is kind of the X-factor match for the game. I, I believe that if Sneed's on Diggs, look, Diggs is going to get hit. But I think he can keep it from getting out of hand, and I, I think Sneed can do a good job. Ward is a feast or famine. Court. There are some games he plays he is very good. There are other games where you can beat him up, and then all of a sudden it becomes Mike Hughes is coming in, DeAndre Baker's coming in, and that, that's when the Chiefs get into trouble. So it's a secondary that is, I, I would categorize it as good, uh, but it has its weaknesses, and if Allen has time, you know, he'll have a chance to exploit it. And, Matt, if you look at the Bills' offense this year, even though they're, they're tied with Kansas City for the most points per game, if you talk to Bills fans, they're really not as comfortable as they were last year. Um, especially toward the end of the year. And this is despite the fact that the two perceived weaknesses of last year's offense, the run game and some tight end production that even Brandon Bean called out in his postseason conference, there there has been production there. The Singletary and Moss, they're averaging 4.5 a carry. They have six touchdowns. Dawson Knox has four touchdowns in four games. So when you look at this Kansas City defense, which would help the Bills and at least Josh Allen, who never looks comfortable versus Kansas City, which would help them more? A little tight end production, which is obviously it's it's so apparent when you face Kansas City because Kelsey's so good and you wonder, well, why can't my tight end be like that? Or would it be at least a little more effective of a run game? Not so much a balance, but at least when you have to run, being able to run. Well, I, I think it, it's the tight end. The Chiefs don't care if you run the ball. They just don't. It doesn't it, it, they don't they don't focus on it. They'll allow you to run it. They want you to run the football because they always feel like you know, it's so hard, no matter how good you are running the ball, to consistently do that without eventually having a one-yard loss. And now you're in second 11. And then, hey, now you've got to complete two passes in all likelihood. And you know what? We can get off the field here. So the, one, the biggest weakness of the Chiefs defense, and the, the one thing I think if you're Brian Dable in this game, you've got to attack them relentlessly with this. They cannot guard tight ends and backs. They just cannot do it. 
They, and they've never been able. They haven't been able to do it in years. Even the year they won the Super Bowl, they couldn't guard the tight end or a back. If you're Brian Dable, and I know they don't throw to their backs at all. I, you look at their numbers, I don't mm-hmm. think either of the backs is like five receptions this year. Mm-hmm. But you, you've got to swing the ball out. It doesn't even have to be screens. You can just be a little, little choice routes, a wheel route here and there. But the Chiefs linebackers are so incredibly unathletic. You have to make them play. Now, if Gay comes back, that changes things a little bit because he's the one guy they have who actually is, is a freak athletically. He can actually really run, and I would expect if he plays, he's probably going to get a lot of those assignments. But still, he's a young kid coming off turf, so you got to test him. So I think if you're, if you're Dable, you've got to be dialing up plays for Dawson Knox. You've got to be dialing up throw, throws to your back because if you just go into the game with the mindset of we're going to throw to our three big receivers, look, you've got to feed those guys. They're terrific players. But that does play a little bit in the Kansas City chance. I think that's some of the reason they've struggled in the past against Kansas City. Because if, if you want to get into a game and just throw to the, to the outside with the Chiefs, the way their defense is set up, their safeties give a lot of help to their corners. And so they can kind of funnel you. And if you're going to try to play a lot outside the numbers and deep down the field, that is one thing the Chiefs have not given up this year at a deep ball. So that is – if you're Dable, I think you've got to be willing to say, look, we're going to hit Dawson Knox, throw to the backs, and then soften them up a little bit, make the safeties come down, and then get some more one-on-ones against Ward, maybe against Rashad Fenn if he, if he can play coming off the concussion and use a slot corner. So um, I think that's the way you have to go if you're Buffalo. Yeah, and I wonder if that means Matt Breida gets a an active over, excuse me, an active status over Moss or Singletary. That'll be interesting. And Matt, you already talked about Willie Gay coming back. That was my question about the linebackers. So as we shift to the defensive line, it seems now I haven't caught a, I haven't caught a lot of the Chiefs this year, but it seems on Twitter that people are furious at the fact that Chris Jones isn't as productive as a defensive end. Is there a reason why they moved him from a defensive tackle position that he was so effective at? And can you just reiterate what you said about Frank Clark? Do you think he is going to play? Because he absolutely destroyed the Bills last right. year in the AFC Championship. Yeah, he's a weird guy. But Frank Clark has been a, a source of major ire for Chiefs fans because they signed him. They traded multiple high picks for him, first-round pick, second-round pick, and they signed him to a $100-plus million contract. And he really has not been good. He, he has two Pro Bowl berths with them in two years, but neither one of them deserved. He should not have been a Pro Bowler every year. So um, that being said, whenever they seem to play in a big game, he – just shows up in a huge way. I, I don't know what the reasoning is, if it's happenstance, or he just takes it up a level. Um, but the year they won the Super Bowl, he had five sacks and three playoff games. Last year, I believe he had three sacks and three playoff games. He's just, you know, he's always, he's always found a way to make a, a difference in the spotlight. They need him to. Because right now with Jones, and I think this all goes hand in hand, they kick Jones outside. One, because Jones wanted to try to play outside. Number two, they signed Jerron Reed this offseason, who, ironically, from talking to a few sources, the other team that Jerron Reed almost signed with was Buffalo. So he ends up going to Kansas City on a one-year deal, and I think most people, I, I talked to people around the league with, thought well, that was one of the biggest deals of the offseason. Jerron Reed's been awful. Awful. And they kicked him outside. They kicked Jones outside because they said, well, we have we have Jerron Reed now inside who can get some pass rush, and he can play next to Derek Noddy, who Noddy, despite them not having a good run defense, is an excellent run-stuffing defensive tackle. So they kick him outside. I think that experiment's going to end here sooner rather than later. In fact, last week they were already starting to put Jones inside on like a third of the snaps. So I, I think, look, 
if Clark can come back in this game, and I think he will unless he has a setback, they'll have him on the outside. And then the second-year kid, Mike Dana, who has three sacks so far this season, it's actually been very good. He's not so much of a win right off the bat pass rush, but he's relentless. He's very good at setting an edge. He's, he's a guy with a real high motor, and he gets a lot of his sacks for just being tenacious. Um, I would expect to see a decent amount of him instead of Alex Okafor, who's a veteran who I think is at the end of his road. So, look, the Chiefs, that has been the most confounding part of their, of their defense. I think everybody knew going in that the secondary was good, but there were some flaws. The linebacking core without Gay was going to be a disaster, which it has been. And the thought going into the year was, this is the best defensive line they've had in a long time. Nadi can play the run, reads a good all-around D-tackle, and then you've got Jones and Clark. None of that's happened. Jones had two sacks against Cleveland and has done nothing since. Um, and, and Jerron Reed, I'm not exaggerating when I say, I don't know if he has a tackle. I mean, maybe he has a handful, but he has done nothing to this point. So, that's been the thing that a lot of Chief fans have said, well, where's the production? We're paying a lot of money for this defensive line. We'll see if they can figure it out and get it right this week. They're going to have to. So that, that hope I was talking about earlier that usually ends up crushing me, you've, you've grown it exponentially throughout this interview. So give me, give me one X factor that the Bills need in order to give Josh Allen the confidence or at least you know some sort of game plan material. And then if you wouldn't mind, any doesn't have to be a score prediction, but your overall predictions for this game. So I think the X factor, they've got to block. And I know that sounds really obvious, but the problem that they've had against Kansas City, especially in the AFC title game, is the Chiefs just got to him constantly in that game. And I do think you're going to see Jones move back inside for part of this game. The Bills have struggled a little bit on the interior. Mm -hmm. I think the Chiefs are going to do everything imaginable to get pressure right up the gut in his face. That means Jones inside. That means stunts and twists. They'll bring blitzes. I mean, Spagnuolo, the one thing he's probably the most known for is creative blitz packages. They'll bring them off the corners. They'll bring them up the middle. They'll fake blitzes from certain sides and bring it on the other side. Their whole game in this, in this matchup is going to be if we can make him make one mistake, we'll win the game. That's how they think. With that, with that our offense, the Chiefs look at every game like if we can force one punt and one turnover, we win. And they're usually right. Yeah. They usually win the game if they do that. So, if you're Allen, the biggest thing you cannot do in this game is force something. If, if, it, if you've got to throw it away, throw it away. Um, but I think that's something to watch is how does the interior of that line deal with what the Chiefs are certainly going to try to do inside. As far as the prediction, i got to tell you, of all the Chiefs games I can remember making a pick for, I have the least confidence in this one. I have no idea. What's going to happen in this game? I have, I would not be surprised if the Bills scored 45 points. I wouldn't be surprised, on the other hand, if the Chiefs, after hearing all week about how bad they are defensively and how everything's falling apart, I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and they're motivated and they, they're playing their asses off on a, on a Sunday night game at home and you'll look up and go, how did the Chiefs win that game 41-20? to 20? Like, I just... I, I think the, I'll say this. I think they're the two best teams in the AFC. I really do. With all due respect to Baltimore and Cleveland, I think these two teams are going to see each other in the AFC Championship game again. And I think whoever wins this game is going to host it. So it's a huge game. If I had to pick who's going to win, the Chiefs are at home. They're a little desperate. I'll take them. But 
it's really because of what they've done the last couple of years and, and just believing in Mahomes in these spots and knowing how it usually comes through. But, I mean, based off what you've seen the first four games, you have to say Buffalo's playing better. So it'll be a fascinating game. I think it has all the makings of a really, really good football game. Whew, that was a good answer. We are definitely looking forward to it. And before you go, why don't you tell our fans where we can find you and your material? Sure. Uh, fansided.com. I write my stack the box column. I start Monday morning, touches on the whole league. I'm sure I'm going to be leading with this game this weekend. Um, and then and then there's, there's quarterback rankings, power rankings, picks, the whole deal. And then, of course, on Twitter, at Matt Verderam, where I am, unfortunately, on all the time. So if you want to follow football, uh, bring it. And, hey, if you're, if you're a Western New Yorker, I went to school in Oswego, which is not that far from yeah, Buffalo. I used to great. go there all the time. So That's awesome. Uh, I grew up in I grew up in New York, my first 26 years of my life. So I uh, love the area, love the people, and uh, feel free to chat anytime. Awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to looking at your insight on Monday morning. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Alrighty then. Bones. Yep. Let's get to it. 8.20 on Sunday. 7.20 our time. 7.20 Central, and you're there watching it, absolutely. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth will be calling the Bills at Chiefs, and absolutely, even if you're just a novice NFL fan, you should be very excited for this. Obviously, we are as Bills fans. And probably the most hyped-up game of this year, minus the Brady returning to Tampa Bay, maybe also besides Tampa Bay, L.A., but very similar in that the two favorites that come out of the conference are clashing. How much are you looking forward to seeing this in person? Extremely excited. Um, the football nerd in me is really excited just about getting to a new stadium. I've never been to Sunday Night Football. Uh, the stars are aligning for what could be a really special time. Um, so excited to see it. Got a good, got good seats up top, 40-yard line. Excited to watch from there. I just like, hope Emily doesn't get into a fight with a Chiefs fan. <laughs> I don't like my odds there. It's all I want for my birthday. Uh, it's, this reminds me of when we were in Philly. <laughs> and in Cincy. <laughs> all well, two different people. Yeah, different when we were in here. Philly and my girlfriend at the time, who doesn't need to be named because I don't want to put her on blast, but wanted yeah, – we were up in the 300s of the Flyers Stadium. And she wanted, with 12 seconds left in the game, we should leave early to beat traffic. Uh, and I was like, well, that is not, that's a waste of time. We got into it. I was then smacked in the face as she stormed off. I sat down to not, that was iconic. To not <laughs> lose my cool. By the time I got up and turned into the corridor, Billy is basically drive blocking her with his face as white as a sheet, saying, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop. <laughs> as these. This mob of Philly fans are egging around wanting to beat the hell out of Bill. So that's what that <laughs> reminds me of. That's some good memories. And let's move on. The last two matchups of the Chiefs and Bills, obviously last year, week five maybe? Yeah. Damn it. I should have researched that. I but didn't I pee in a water bottle either that weekend, but that's for another show. <laughs> <laughs> she ever listens to that. I still haven't she done it. That. Um <laughs> The Bills lose 26-17, a real-time possession game, and people really look back at that with negative thoughts on the Bills' coaching and their game plan, but weather played a factor, and you know we're, th we're just a few inches away from that being a completely different ball game. If Clyde, Ed Clyde Edwards-Lair's knee is not down that Justin Zimmer forced fumble, then the Bills have the ball on the Kansas City yard line. Or on their, <laughs> their, listen, I David, so they're 
how am I? Oh, all I'm saying, I I don't. The Chiefs dominated that game. I completely understand it. If that fumble goes the Bills' way, they are on the with less than three minutes left. I think even less than that. They're on the Kansas City side of the field, down six. Instead, the Chiefs go down, score another touchdown. They are maybe a field goal, probably a field, yeah. They score a field goal to put the game away, whatever. Then I, I think the AFC Championship game was way less of a game, despite that we had a lead after the first quarter. We were up nine nothing, I think. That's what I'm worried about. We'll get to that in a second, but never really felt in it. It felt like it was only a matter of time until they exploded. The Chiefs did explode. Very disappointing game. Injury report. This is important. As of today, two do not did not practice for the Bills. Matt Milano, Taiwan Jones, and a couple things about now. Obviously, the Matt Milano won't be huge. He's great at covering tight ends. Great at covering running backs. Also he's, had the he's having the best season of his career, and he's the he's been the best, arguably the best defender the Bills have had all year. Completely agree with that. Great. The Taiwan Jones one is sneaky because not only for the special teams implications, but if he doesn't dress, that means Matt Breida does dress. And one of the things that you'll again hear Matt Verderam say is that the Chiefs are horrible at covering backs out of the backfield. And the only one I would really say is a threat to do that would be Breed if he is dressed. So just something to monitor moving forward. Good news for the Bills regarding injuries. Epinesa, Poyer, and White were all limited. They seem ready to go. And then full participants, Tron Johnson, Gregory Russo, Spencer Brown, and John Feliciano, which is funny. They all have their own little implication to this game. Tron Johnson's having a career year, and he's going to be huge as a slot corner. Rousseau is like the reason they drafted him would be one of the reasons is for this game. Um, and obviously Spencer Brown and Feliciano huge for the offensive line. So, Bill, I asked this to both the guys that we interviewed, but for you, Billy Bucket, since you have yet to hear those interviews, what does this game mean for both teams? Who has more pressure on them and who needs the game more? Whew. I got a good Gee. question for you too. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> I'll say that the game is actually it's more important for Buffalo. I, mean, I think this is the most important game of the season. You win this game, you're in the absolute driver's seat for home field throughout. I mean, with Kansas City and the, the teams that they still have to play. Uh, what were the other questions? Who has more pressure on them? Buffalo. I think Buffalo. I think I, I'm not buying any of this Kansas City pressure. They can go and be. What are they right now? Two and two. Yep. They can go be two and three. It can be three and three. It could be four and four. I think they've answered the bell for long enough that I don't think people. Well, we've never they, seen Mahomes in a road playoff game. Yeah, I think he's going to be fine. They, they I, might, I'm more concerned about Allen with wh- this weekend. And what are your thoughts on this? And this is again something that our fans already heard, but you haven't listened to the interviews yet. According to Verderam, yeah. I think I'm saying that right. He's, he's not going to listen. He's his point was. You feel better as from a, like just a like let's say like objectively you'd feel better about Mahomes going into Buffalo for an AFC Championship game than you would Allen going into Kansas oh, City. Yeah. That's why it's more important for oh, yeah. Buffalo to win. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Um, I still I'm 99 percent in on that Allen's a top tier quarterback for the next decade, but a little fear in the road. 70,000 screaming fans and um, playing his best against uh, a guy who has shut him down, Dan, um, and Steve Spagnola for the last two times that they played. So he, yep. I think there's a, a, a fair amount of pressure on Allen. And bottom line, 
You drop this thing and go three and two. It feels ultra familiar to last year. I know they got on a run last year. Yep. All of a sudden, you're going to Tennessee Monday Night Football. No gimme. No, they've struggled, but the pressure's on the Bills on Sunday night. Okay, let's get to our keys. My first key of this game is red zone scoring, and it's interesting. It's for all the for all the strengths on strength, and you know, you know, Titan versus Titan, like all these. All these powerful things. This is a weakness for both teams, and it's kind of surprising. So for the Bills, th- despite getting into their opponent's red zone, the most in the NFL through four games, 21 times, and recording the second most red zone touchdowns, that puts it puts them at just 57.1% of touchdowns in the red zone. And now they've done a great job at scoring in the red zone and not turning the ball over. They had some stat the other day. They've scored like an insane amount of times straight in the red zone, which is great. And Allen, knock on wood, does not turn the ball over. But in order to win against teams at Kansas City, you need to convert those into touchdowns. Now, last year, they were also tied for the most attempts with 68, but at 42, which is a 62% rate. And that was 13th in the NFL. I love these facts you're bringing. Pretty good, yep. So, and last week, heading into the fourth quarter, they were just one of five on red zone trips for touchdowns. And obviously, they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, blew the game open. But it was 19-0. It didn't really matter because the defense was just dominating so much, but... That's huge. And if you look at Kansas City, their defense is like last in literally almost every single category, which I don't want to, you know, whatever. But they're giving up 79% of the time, 15 red zone touchdowns out of 19 red zone attempts. They give up an insane amount that's fifth worst in the NFL. And I guess my point is, like I talked to, I mentioned this point, like Nick Sirianni tried field goaling the Chiefs to death and they got destroyed this past week. McDermott tried field goaling them to win. I think he learned his lesson. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, they got to convert those to touchdowns and they did a decent job last year. They need to get more creative. They need to get out more space. Whether And I hate them, but maybe it's designed runs for Allen. I don't know what it is, but they need to figure that out moving into this game on Sunday. Can I just ask you a little, a little Q&A during the preview? Who would you rather be healthy fully uh, on Sunday? I'll start with this one. Rousseau or Feliciano? I would say... One's out, one's in. I would say healthy. Feliciano is He's in. More, you'd rather Feliciano. Yeah, I think they got 11 defensive linemen yeah. they can rotate in. Feliciano or Epinesa? Epinesa, 1,000%. I so think he's he made that it. much of a jump. I think so, yes. I agree. Okay, good. Just want to clear that air. That's all right. My second key is score 30 points. Bill, in 18 games under – oh, did you already look at – well, now you're looking at it, so I'm just going to tell you. In 18 games under McDermott, when the Bills score 30 points, they are 17-1. and All right, and like I said, they need touchdowns, not field goals. That's going to be huge. What's the third one? Just – yeah, um, sack up here. Like, let, let go out there, be aggressive. Go for it on fourth and six on the fifty. Go for it. Yeah, you know, for sure. go for it on fourth and three from the fifteen. Like, don't just settle for field goals. Go, be super aggressive. I I thought it was insane the way the Chargers coach coached the end of that game against the Chiefs, and that's literally the reason they won. Like, like you have to think, even if it's. Like, people talk talk about outside the box or thinking analytically. Like, you have to go even outside that box. Like, this Chiefs offense is unbelievable. And they've been unbelievable against Buffalo. Buffalo's offense, sure, it's unbelievable. It's never – it has not been unbelievable against point. Kansas City. It's a great point. So, go out there and I, you have to match that intensity. And I'll one-up you. 
I think they have to. I think you have to score forty points to win. I don't know if you have to do that. <laughs> I think it's forty points. Okay, so here's the other here. Okay, and here, unless it's super rainy, I got and crappy you. Out. But here's let's say the weather's fine. Here's the point that gives me a little bit of hope. All right, and another thing I heard on a podcast when I was listening to all these previews, I follow like seven of them. But the reason the Bills should win on paper is the diff. Like I would say that uh, you tell me if you disagree with any of these statements. The Kansas City offense is superior to the Bills offense. I'll agree. Okay, and but here's the thing: the difference between Kansas City's offense and our defense is a in on paper much less than our offense to their defense. Like, that gap is – because of the Bills have taken this jump defensively, like, the huge gap in terms of matchups is – Defense. Our it, defense is way better than theirs. Correct. Yeah. So, even though that their offense is superior, that I, gap between our – like, that's why – Agree. On paper – but here's the other thing. And this, this is – you know what's funny? I made that Sirianni point earlier because I completely forgot what I was going to say. Now I remember what I was going to say. I'm a big water finds its level regression to the mean guy. So the fact that their defense has been this bad, it doesn't it's there's going to be a week coming up that something clicks for it. And now the fact that they got they're probably going to move Chris Jones back in at home. They have Frank Wright come Frank Wright. Um Frank Clark who yeah. destroyed the Bills last year coming back. They might have Willie Gay coming back. They have their corner coming back like this is why I could see, especially if it's raining out, I could see it being an ugly game like this past yeah. Patriots, which yeah. would be terrible yeah. to watch, this past Patriots-Bucks uh, game. But, again, we'll see. Um, my last thing is play up and aggressive, okay, because when you sat back, you got burned in the playoff game. Hyde's one of the best safeties in the league just playing center field, and that's fine. You could sit over the top of Hill, and that's fine. I what Do you think Josh – like, that – First guy we interviewed said Josh Gordon is going to play like forty to sixty percent of the snaps. I don't think no shot, right? He might play twenty percent of the snaps. I just don't understand how he's going to make that big of an impact right away. But if that's the case, then you got to really rely on Levi Wallace on Josh Gordon, which I don't love that matchup. But Josh Gordon's, <laughs> I, I'm not ready to go there yet. This guy hasn't played. I don't football either. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, um, but, but I'm going to go score three. I don't want to get dinked and dunked to death like in Pittsburgh. And if like the, these Mahomes stats, and again. This is why I brought it up. Like, the regression in the mean, I understand this. But passes within 2.5 seconds. Now, that's just a quick, you know, boom, boom, boom. 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 92% completion rate. Okay, so it's he is absolutely money with that. And actually, the which is fun, like you look, when I think of Holmes, I think about a guy that gets out of the pocket, makes plays on the move, whatever. His numbers actually drastic, obviously, to, to compared to those, but even just like normal stats, drastically decrease so we need to put pressure on him get him uncomfortable get him on the move yeah because the secondary weapons outside of hill and kelsey have not done well this year there that's the gordon signing i really that's believe what i'm that. saying yeah. yeah so that's why I, that's why the guy was all fired up about the gordon signing. they're like a they're also if you want to talk about them very briefly organizationally they like need <laughs> They take these swings at these guys like Le'Veon Bell and Josh Gordon. Yeah, just good teams like can do that. They have the leverage. One more, one more. For yeah. <laughs> um, but what I, where was I going with this? They take the swings. Oh, you know what I, you know what I think is gonna happen. If if you're a betting man, and again, buckets and Dan, we don't condone. If you gambling, have a problem, excessive gambling, one eight hundred gamblers have a gambling problem. Yep. Okay, and what you need to do is if you do have a gambling problem and you're in a difficult situation and you need to make some money on Sunday, 
I got a couple tips for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the over for rushing yards of only two people, and that's Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes for two reasons. Allen's going to get all Superman Josh Allen, not see the open receiver and run like a wild man, and Mahomes is going to get pressured like he hasn't before, and he's going to run. Okay. I want to hear your keys and bold take. I got no keys. You're going to go have to play your best football game, <laughs> and your, my bold take is uh, – <laughs> My bold take is I think it's going to take 40 to win, and and, okay. and that's weather-dependent, and I'll go right to my prediction. Right Wait, now. no, no, no. I want to get my matchup really quick. I got a matchup for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the mind of Steve Spagnola you against – You did this in the <laughs> championship game, too. And, 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 and it's 1-0 right now. Yeah. In the Midwest, yep. it, it's against the mind and the arm of Joshua Allen, and we're gonna see who wins that. And right <laughs> now, it's it's o two in rounds. Okay, <laughs> all right. Mine is gonna be Chris Jones versus somebody. So it's gonna be whether if he stays outside, it's gonna be the rookie Spencer Brown. If he moves inside, it's gonna be against new guard Daryl Williams, a position he does not play as good, as well as he does tackle, or John Feliciano, who he ate up last year in the AFC Championship game. Bill, <laughs> this might just be entertaining radio, and you remember a few weeks ago the push, the push, the push. I like the Jets to push. Yeah, people, people thought that was funny, and 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 it showed we had some diehards. I'm just gonna be honest with everyone. I don't realize is Daryl Williams playing guard now. I didn't know that. Yeah. So last week <laughs> they started Spencer Brown and they moved Daryl Williams to right guard. I didn't know that, and I was there, and I was. Wait, you went to the game? Sober. The Houston game. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you sold our tickets. Dan, I haven't missed a game since the Jeff Tool Kansas City game in 2013. I wouldn't miss that game. I went with, uh, I picked up a $15 scalper. Old school. Well, okay. <laughs> so you, I wondered why you were so confused. Like, you're, pe okay. And I sat with Emily and I watched the game pretty clearly. It was raining out and <laughs> we left early. And I saw Spencer Brown a lot, but I didn't realize Williams at the, you know, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And your score, you had the... 41-38. 41-38. It's the Bass Man, and it's going to yep. be a huge one. Okay. And 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 you're going to be happy it's Columbus Day the following day because it's going to be a late one for you guys <laughs> out here on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, I think we see a very aggressive McDermott coaching. I think it's 38-31. I think there's a big defensive stand inside the Bills' red zone on the final possession ben for the don't Chiefs. Ben, don't break. And Frazier gets the game Bo ball. Yeah, ben yeah. don't break is absolutely right. We both have the Bills winning, which means if you are in a betting hole, I would say put your house yeah. on the Chiefs. Put your life's worth on it. Let's get – let's – Wrap this up, and then we'll do a quick first quarter report card. As we enter our final segment of Buckets and Dan, let's do a, f a very quick first quarter report card. Bill, tell me about your thoughts on the offense. I'll just go real quick through it all, Dan. I think the defense, and, and let me make my one point that I have a good take on. I think if there's, let's just say there's 38 quarterbacks who have played football this year, meaningful snaps and games, okay? Guys have... Ben Hurt, whatever. So there's 32, 32 teams, 38 quarterbacks. I think we have played five of the bottom eight quarterbacks in the league. Four of them. Yeah, five of them if you count Tua. This team has played like – these guys are like s good CFL players right now. I'm not even kidding. And you're going against probably playing the best quarterback on the universe. 
That's why I'm a little bit scared. Um, so the defense, I'm not going to give an A plus to. I think you will. I'll give them an A minus. Two shutouts is fantastic. But again, you have they're taking a step up Sunday night. Uh, offensively, I'll give them a B ish and C to the special teams because I'm not a hack guy at all. He's yeah, great he's, punt versus Houston. I think he takes an extra step every time he punts, and I'm worried about a block punt. And if he does that against Kansas City, that's the game. What are your thoughts about this, Bill? I heard this point brought up in the Lockdown Bills podcast. Yes, that extra step gives... It feels like it. I don't know if it is. No, but that extra half second or whatever, he is one of the slowest punters in the NFL, but that also gives an extra half second to let his returners get down there. And each year he leads it... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's just just the pops talking. No. I got to be better. Um... Yeah, I mean, their offense, their second, they're actually tied with the Chiefs, which sucks because I mentioned how many times that they were tied for the top two, but actually the Cardinals are 35 points a game. Bills and Chiefs are 33.5 points a game. So they've beat up on some bad teams. Look at that's the teams they're playing. They had a hard schedule last year. They have an easy schedule this year. We're playing the teams that are on our schedule, and they're not just floating by these crappy teams. They're absolutely embarrassing, these teams. So good for the Bills. And, and, yeah, you got a big test coming up. And we'll see if they can match that. I'll, I'll, yeah, and I'll play devil's advocate one more time. He, if the Chiefs played our schedule, what are they right now? Probably 4-0. and We're then, a, We are what, a blocked punt away from being 4-0? and I don't know. What are we if we play the Chiefs' schedule? I don't know. Do you know who they played? Yeah, I think we could beat the Browns. I think we could beat the Chargers. I think Baltimore. we could beat the Eagles. And I think we could beat Baltimore. We'd be 4-0 too, so think, screw the Chiefs. I think we're 3 and Screw one you, best. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you're we're not right, worse Dan. than two and two. We're no, we're not. Oh, you're right. They are two and two. <laughs> okay, I rest my case. <laughs> what case? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. All right, um, yeah, I I agree with all those points. Let's let's go to surprise and disappointment. My surprise of the of what I'm most surprised about. Uh, let's see. Do you have a surprise? Um. I think Matt. I think what I'm surprised. I, you about, know, I'm surprised. I, <laughs> I gotta stop interrupting. I apologize. You can go. Go ahead. Two things: offensive side, the lack of involvement from Gabe Davis, and I wouldn't be shocked. Dude, if I, this is my. Do you read the thing? <laughs> do you read the, the all on it all? Okay, oh, right there. So okay, that'll be my there. disappointment. All right, then I got one. Okay, I think Stars played well. Yes. Okay, that's uh, a good one. The surprise, how well yeah, he's played. He's even played, pass rush. Do you know he's played thirty less snaps than Oliver and has had more pressures? He's been a really good pass rusher. Yes. Yep. I agree he with that. Did that sweet play? Yeah, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. I saw that. Um. Yeah, I think just individuals on defense have really surprised me. Milano obviously has been unbelievable, but Teron Johnson, who people had their, you know, he obviously is a big play, big plays, two big plays last year, but he also was benched last year. He's in a contract year playing it. According to, I don't understand how cornerbacks get greater, but and maybe they're just biased Bills guys. I have them like some people are saying he's like playing at like an All Pro level, which I don't watch the games close enough, but I will this Sunday, obviously. So we'll see how it goes. My biggest disappointment would have been your biggest surprise <laughs> is Gabe Davis playing just thirty nine percent of the snaps, three catches on seven targets through four games. He's battling an ankle injury, but I think this just goes to the fact that how much better Emmanuel Sanders is than. John Brown. Yeah. And not a huge, not a, in, you know what? Sunday could be a big Beasley day. Yeah, he had a big you know, he's game. playing in the Midwest. Vaccination levels are lower. He's not going to get <laughs> booed. Um, so he won't, he won't be all bothered and stuff. And he could be big on third down. I am 
the biggest advocate for athletes using their voice because I think that people that say shut up and dribble should go tie cinder blocks to their ankles and jump off the peace bridge. But but if you're talking vaccination, no. But no. like just the timing of his tweets, like what? Like yeah, for yeah. and uh, and okay, and these people saying like not one person's booing, they're all beezing. That's not true. We went to week one and we were confused, but there were definitely people booing. Yeah, but we're, we don't we don't want to talk politics on this show. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, okay, let's end with some fantasy football. Who is your fantasy football crush of the week? Uh, people like to hang on my words here. I'm gonna go back to the well. A guy who has really not really done it yet for uh, <laughs> fantasy owners. Damian Harris. I like him against Houston. It's my survivor pick this week, New England. Um, I like him this week. I like him to get 20-plus carries, especially with James White being gone for the year now. What do you think you're better at, fantasy baseball or fantasy football? I Baseball's harder. I like, I'm like. i less of a draft guy, more of a day-to-day managing guy, so that's why I like baseball. Like I like add drops more than I like the draft. And I don't like fantasy... I actually don't like fantasy football from weeks one to five. I like it when bye weeks and injuries hit, and you got to like start to like manage your team. Okay. Do you have a dud to stay away from this week? Uh, you know who I don't love is, and I'm just making this up as I go. Let me think here, Dan. I'm I you know I apologize. <laughs> um, I don't love Kirk Cousins this week. Who are they playing, Bill? Uh, they are playing Jacksonville, I believe. <laughs> no, they're not. I don't know. Okay, uh, we gotta cut that out. Uh, no, we'll keep it in. And <laughs> the thing I'm gonna, why I'm gonna keep it in, Bill, is Dan does all I, the work. I don't ask you to do a lot here. Like this is this is supposed to be your segment. You're right. Would we agree with that? You're absolutely right. All right. You're absolutely right. Boom. Uh, <laughs> one and they're NFL. playing the Lions, pretty close to the Jaguars, yeah. and I think Detroit's gonna show out this weekend. <laughs> and I think a lot of Survivor guys are going down. I picked them to cover. What NFL games are you? Mo- what NFL game are you most excited about this weekend? I like Lions. I like Lions Vikings. No, you no, don't. I don't. I really am. I'm very intrigued in two. Like again, I think we we talked. I don't think you meant you did mention Joe Brady. You want to keep him in Carolina? Yep. Probably not going to be there in Carolina long. Like Dave won't be in Buffalo much longer because two young offensive minds have done extremely well for themselves, and that's Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Um and what's his what's his last name in L.A. Chargers? That's Stanley or Staley? Staley, Brandon Staley. So Brandon Staley uh, has kind of won fans over quite quickly in L.A. and I think that's going to be an exciting game that again has playoff implications. L.A. Cleveland. Really quick, if the Bengals beat the Packers, are they for real? Yeah, I will say that for sure. That would be their first place right now. I did not know that. Why? Well, I wonder why. That division sucks. I don't know, but they suck. They got three teams that are three and one. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. Pittsburgh's terrible. Like, okay. And now, now Pittsburgh stinks. Now go with the other three. Go t- talk about the other three teams. Baltimore's okay, but again, it's early in the year, and yeah, we'll Cleveland's see what okay. Cleveland's pretty good. Cincinnati's yeah. all right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm getting I'm getting schooled in the end here. <laughs> Mine is San Francisco, Arizona. I want somebody to burst the bubble for this Cardinals team. And or you want to see Lance. Yeah, I yeah, I'm done with Garoppolo. I was wrong. I was just furious or not furious. I was really curious why they were so high on these quarterbacks when they have Garoppolo, blah blah blah. But you know what? It's another guy. 
even though they made it to the Super Bowl, you're just not going to win a Super Bowl with. So go give it to the young guy. See what he can do. Because, again, why have him on your bench or whatever? You're just wasting a year right, and you right. don't know what you're getting out of him. And this is a win-now team. So, And I think Orvlowski made a good point talking about Dan Orvlowski. What, talking say about it again. What's his Dan name? Dan Orvlowski. I think it's Orlovsky, not Orvlovsky. Um, made a good point about, like, Justin Fields is technically going into, like, his real first or second game Correct. as a starter. And it's really like they kind of, if they knew they were going to go there, they've wasted a lot of repetitions yeah, for the last so few dumb. months. Well, that guy's very incompetent, the head coach. And, he yeah, sucks. He's terrible. They've done such a bad job at communicating yep. this whole thing. Like, yep. That's the one thing I will appreciate about the Bills. One of many. They seem like they have their communication in line. Yep. If you think about years prior, like with Whaley and like Ugh. people, like how messy was it all? And – yeah, it's very, very important, I think, for San Francisco to start trotting him out because I think that team is win now. I agree. And our Thursday night football prediction, which will obviously be – it'll be over by then, but yeah, I, I say – I might have a – I might have a – because it's 8-18, I might have a little – could be 7 nothing somewhere. No, it's, it starts at 8-20. Okay. I got the Rams. I got the Rams 31-30. Stafford has a big baller moment and leads him down game-winning field goal drive at the end. I got the Rams 27 to 20. Should be a good game. Got the Rams in the end. Bill, I wish you safe travels and a happy birthday. I hope it's I hope you get everything you want, which is just not a fight. And a Bills hope, win. And a Bills win. I hope some good barbecue. Some good barbecue. I hope the weather stays nice and dry for you. Stay safe. Um, say hi to your lovely fiance for me and the rest of that group, especially our hole in one um segment with ace you say hi to him for me and uh say hi to rye guy our the guy that and c- make sure to congratulate him on sure his will. recent engagement to jane so um i wish you the best down in the midwest all right dan thank you very much <laughs> thanks for carrying the squad <laughs> okay go bills love you mom I know.